Building community, building community, building community, building community. We are building community. Our goal is building community. We want to build a community. Hey, let's build community. Community building, community building exercises, building community. What, what am I, <laughs> what does community mean? What am I talking about? You know, I, I say stuff like this all the time and I, I guess I repeat it so often that sometimes I just question sometimes like periodically whether I still know what I'm talking about just to myself, like whether I know what I'm referring to when I say the word community, I say it so often and community when the world of sustainability and green movements and stuff, when we use that word, it genuinely feels warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? Community. We're building community. Ah. <laughs> to me, it seems as if the word is attached to an emotion or an emotion, emotional response. Otherwise, we wouldn't use it so much. Right? I mean, why don't we say that we're building a district? We're building a district. Let's build a district. That just sounds so rigid. It just doesn't sound the same. Let's build a a company, a center, a posse. We're building posse. Building posses across the United States. <laughs> it just doesn't have the same ring to it, and it doesn't have the same emotional response. And I think that's what interested me so much about today's episode. I was really curious and pondering on the word community as it pertains to sustainability and building societies that tick in such a way that works together. And so I guess I would define a community as something along those lines. But if you're one of these people who is super literal and you have already looked up the Merriam-Webster dictionary meaning of community just to solve this whole episode, poo on you, Mr. Boring. Uh, but... I will definitely read that definition for you folks. <laughs> if you're more practically minded, I want to go ahead and just read this to you right now. So the definition of community in the dictionary is a unified body of individuals, okay, such as, and here's where it gets crazy, A, the people with common interests living in a particular area, okay, B, a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a larger society, okay. C, a body of persons or common and especially professional interests scattered through a larger society, such as, for example, the academic community or scientific community. All right. D, a body of persons or nations having a common history or common social, economic, or political interests. Ah, now we're getting interesting. E, a group linked by a common policy. All right. F, an interacting population of various kinds of individuals, such as species, in a common location. Okay, interesting. A state or a commonwealth. All right, all right, all right. And then the second definition here is separated into four parts. So a social state or condition, joint ownership or participation. I like that one. Common character, like likeness, community of interests. And lastly, a social activity. And just in case we weren't being 
specifically vague enough, <laughs> I'll call it. The third definition it lists here is society at large. Okay, all right. Okay, so look, we could just define community simply and just as the dictionary says and put a little bow on the episode, episode over. Boom, we've defined community. Congratulations, us. Yay. But it, it just, it, 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 I can't. I can't. It doesn't set well with me. <laughs> and I really enjoy taking things apart and really trying to understand not just the word itself and the literal thing that is behind the word, just the dictionary definition. There is something there. There's a meaning to the word community. We use the word community too much for it not to mean something. I don't buy that it doesn't mean anything. I just don't buy it. I don't believe it. And I have a feeling that some folks out there agree. So I invited a friend of mine to speak about this very topic today. His name is Mr. Brian Seguin. Brian and I go back a little ways. He invited me a long time ago, a couple years ago, I think, to speak on a panel at North Idaho College to discuss, if I remember correctly, it was how podcasting builds community. Yes, that's what it was. And so I had a, a really great time with that. And since then, you know, just being a part of well, you could say the Coeur d'Alene community. Uh, we have been speaking to each other just randomly. Sometimes we'll see each other in town and we'll just have impromptu, just like deep talks about stuff. So Brian's a great guy to talk to and I'm thrilled that he's here. Excited for you guys to hear the discussion. We just recorded this episode literally yesterday, so it's super fresh. I'm really excited for you guys to be able to take part in this conversation surrounding what community actually is and what it means to us. So to take the most part in this, if you're interested, go ahead and hop on our Twitter page. It's SCPJet, S-C-P-J-E-T, and just shoot me a line and tell me what community actually means to you. Tell me what community means to you. Tell me what do you think it means to be part of a community. Give me an answer in those realms there, and, and maybe we can address those next episode. We're going to keep talking about this as well. So without further ado, let's get started with Mr. Brian Seguin on episode 17 what the heck does community mean to you? Dude, Brian, thank you so much for taking time this evening and uh, chatting. I'm, I'm glad to talk to you, just in general. By well, the way. Uh, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you reached out. It's always nice to catch up to you. Yeah. And, you know, I see you randomly, too, at Pilgrims. <laughs> I'll just see you around, and or I'll just see you around town. It's always like, oh, yeah, Brian. What the heck am I doing yeah. not talking to that guy? <laughs> That's basically I mean, what I think. We, we uh, you know, travel, we travel in, you know, similar circles where there is some overlap or we'll, we'll bump into each other, which is always great. Um, and one of the nice things about 
living in a smaller community. Um, although when I lived in a more urban area, I would often see some of the same people and of course, like not know them at all, but just recognize their face. Oh yeah. It always made me think of, you know, the classic, like, Hey, you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) like gods gods uh ran out of extras and so he's reusing person on the bus as cyclist (laughs) number five or something right (laughs) taking it a bit in terms of uh casting and theaters extras yeah 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 (laughs) extras in real life i like that (laughs) (laughs) i mean we see those it's just funny like I don't know. I, we talk about the, like we, you and I have talked about the idea of community so many times and in, in our Mm -hmm. random conversations. And I just thought, you know, I was think I was thinking about the idea of community the other day. And I mean, I think about community all the time and I talk about it and, and kind of similar, it just struck me that it was sort of one of those words that sort of seemed like kind of similar to sustainability in the way that like you say it enough times and then you start to go, what am I talking about again? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I completely know what you mean. It's, it's one of those things uh, that I think is kind of ubiquitous and um, that people use it in different ways and it can be perceived in different ways. So uh, yeah, it is like it's always good to kind of find shared meaning with something right so you you kind of understand the perspective of the other person right yeah yeah Yeah, it just kind of that's exactly what i just and i had dwelled on that thought um i have been dwelling on it so goodness gracious i i was like (laughs) i know people that are interesting people and smart people that can talk to me about cool things like community and that care about community. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Brian Seguin is a guy I know. Well, I don't know if I'm either of those things, but I'm interested in talking to you about community. <laughs> uh, I can see our, your listeners will, will uh, decide if I'm interesting or intelligent. Well, but, you are uh, both a yeah. Brian and a Seguin. Yeah, there you go. And you will, uh-huh. you will fill both of those shoes today. Okay. That I can do. <laughs> Excellent. Well, so, so normally like in the past I used to do interviews and we, like, I kind of was telling you, I wanted to do like, um, more just like a casual chat about this. Cause you know, I mean, this will, this just burns up time. Sometimes I'll, I'll look at this and be like, Oh my gosh, I've been talking about this for three hours. Um, like, you know, why, uh, red crayons were red originally or something like, and I won't even, (laughs) I could just fill out. It's just so funny. So, so I, I figured it would be more fun. And I think that we, and people listening would probably get most out of it. If you and I just kind of casually discussed like four or just a few talking points here that I sent you there. And, um, and then we can just sort of talk about it and see what we unpack. I have no idea what's going to get talked about. And that's the fun of this. I'm sure there'll be some ripping. I mean, I'm not very interested in comedy. <laughs> personally. <laughs> or rapping? I don't know. Or ra- so, <laughs> rapping or riffing, perhaps? I'm not sure. Yeah, rap riff. 
what we don't want to do is try to rap. You don't want me to try. It's yeah, no, I don't. There will be no, there'll be no battle. battle <laughs> I have this. Yeah, this I have podcast. a, I have a buddy who's a who will randomly. He's so good at just randomly throwing out a freestyle rap <laughs> about <laughs> just stuff like just whatever's going on, and I am amazed at that. I just, I don't get that it's just incredible that people have that skill <laughs> yeah that is pretty remarkable i can my family would attest to the annoyance of uh my ability to create jingles and songs uh nonsensical things <laughs> and then they'll be like do that again and i, I go i don't know I, I just made it up so i don't you know it's a one-time thing it's like a uh it's like a little piece of art that you have to enjoy in the moment and then it's gone. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to make something that's uh, like what actually makes sense that uh, hats off to your friend. No joke <laughs> to tell a story in the moment. That's just nuts to me. I don't even get it <laughs> way to go. <laughs> so how let's just pose a question and then we'll, we'll just kind of go for it. So how I'll, I'll start. I said this is not an interview, but I'll start by you ask you kind of approaching this. How about you try to take this first, and then I'll try and take it, and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> so how how do you define community personally? Have you yeah, developed think, a definition? <laughs> well, it, you know, again, like the way you sort of uh, set the table for this is that you know, it is, it's like a term that I use a lot, especially with my work. Um, your listeners may not know, but I'm a librarian at North Idaho College uh, Library and Molstead there. Mm -hmm. And I should probably do a disclaimer that, you know, I do not represent the college in this conversation. These are just my own personal thoughts and ideas. Um, of course. But but in my work there, we, we uh, I, I'm part of the, uh, the diversity council and a lot of subcommittees that look at building community on campus through programming. And it's, it's, uh, essentially like a way to engage with the students because there's lots of data that talks about, you know, the more engaged you are on your campus, the, the more likely you are to continue in your studies and have academic success. And, yeah. um, being somebody who, grew up in this area, went to college at NIC, you know, that's, that's definitely something that I felt was always kind of lacking. I had a very close knit group of friends. Um, but, uh, I don't think I necessarily felt like I was a part of the larger community. And sometimes this is like a function of, you know, uh, time and place and age. And, you know, I, I definitely think as, I mature, growing older, that this idea of community um, is definitely something that's more important to me. It's something that I, I feel like I need and want in my life. So yeah. if I were to define community, you know, I think there's, there's like community as place. I think as most people would say, like, oh, this is Cordway and this is the community here. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, if I ran into a stranger, we might not have anything in common and there would be no need to say like, Oh, uh, you're from Coeur Like I'm from Coeur Well, of course, cause we're both here, but 
but if you were to change the context and the geography and <laughs> yeah. I'm at like Disney world or something and somebody's wearing a shirt that says, you know, born and raised Coeur d'Alene or something, I'd be like, ah, oh, whoa, you know, like I live in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. And you, you know, that's that a good point. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so like, that's so interesting. thinking about it, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of an interesting component. So like as place and one of the things I noticed about, I left the area and then we moved back um, after being gone for 16 years. And one thing I, I noticed is just, and, and I hadn't really recalled this, but, but just the like ge geographical pride of folks who live in this area, you'll see like a lot of born and raised stickers, window stickers, shirts. Um, so there, I mean, there's that aspect that I think people really identify with in a really strong way of like this is a place i was born in this this place reflects my values as a person um and i think that's where you kind of move into like maybe the other definition of community like hmm. community as um and this is probably the one that i think of more in terms of the thing that i desire and i want and i feel like you need to live well is um having a, a group of people or a community that you know you have shared interests with that creates kind of a, a fellowship and and um, fellowship that's yeah. an that's an important word i think yeah so, yeah I mean, that's that's interesting so what do you what like do you think age. you gain just aside from this if it, like i mean what do you personally brian gain from feeling that sense of fellowship Oh, I think it's, it's huge. It makes me feel, uh, it makes me feel more connected to the place I live, to the people. I think as we all found during this last year, like those community connections are, are really important. Right. Yeah. And people might say like, oh, well, community isn't place. It's those shared interests. And so my community is online and, and, you know, I have this Facebook group I'm a part of or something that includes people from the Pacific Northwest or like as a runner's club or something like that. So maybe as you're isolated, you're still able to have that connection. Um, hmm. uh, so for me, it, it's definitely that connection. And I think more importantly, as I age, having the, the personal connection, like the person to person thing is, is definitely more important and there being you know like fewer pretenses just i try to be as sincere the most sincere version of myself while also respecting people you know having right. civility in that sense right like and that can be I, a challenge sometimes <laughs> depending. for sure <laughs> you're well, like trying to be all of you but then there's people there <laughs> that's hard sometimes right. i know for me that is because i can be pretty intense and i and i know i know that like being all of me sometimes freaks people some people out <laughs> <laughs> it's too much for others <laughs> yeah 100 percent um i'll just be you know my girlfriend and i've talked about this so many times um and you know <laughs> just because you can you can want to be all of you 
And for those of us who are super authentic, you know, you, I think some of us know certain people who are way more free spirited and just more okay with the idea of being more authentic in, in the middle of everybody. And some people are more filtered and like, I see the, the friends of mine who just, I guess they've just come to terms with the idea that like it, it really is okay <laughs> to be all of them. And I just yeah. see that sometimes I'm like, man, that is so cool. Anyway, I'm just side tangenting here, but, but I love the, I love the, the fellowship idea and like feeling that connectedness while, yeah. you know, because you, you wouldn't feel, I, I guess I'm just, I, I'm tied to the, I, the word connected um, that you mentioned because um, part of, I guess what strikes me to that is the, when we're connecting, the connection to ourselves is part of that, um, in my brain. Um, and, and it's just like when you're connecting to a group of people, it's, if you're disconnected with yourself, um, I know that it can be difficult to connect with people around you. So it's almost, I'm almost wondering if, be like do you think because sometimes community can help with those severed ties oh yeah for sure you know depending on the community i suppose i mean it's the well, bad yeah, community I, that I wouldn't think, make any sense but no i i think that's 100 percent true and i think it I could, it can hurt too like it can um i mean i've, I've definitely had I, I like in the last three months jumped off Facebook because I just had some bad experiences oh. in conversations with people. You had a bad experience with a... people on Facebook? <laughs> I know this is going to come as a shock to people, I... but it can happen. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, I thought, I, I thought it was, I was like, wow, okay, this is somebody I grew up with that I, I played you know, sports with that probably knows me in a way that no one that I meet now would know me in, in that sense, you know, like yeah, during yeah. adolescence and in, in those really formative years of like when things like deeply imprint on you. Yeah. And I, I just thought like, you know, um, the, the feeling of, rejection from a group based on you sharing your values and your ideas in a respectful way. Um, and that the, the fear of even just listening to I- ideas that are different from yours mm-hmm. is somehow um, making you vulnerable to being rejected from a group uh that's like the negative that i see but then the positive is that Hmm. you know for me growing up in this area i just felt like from uh a social perspective that i you know this was pre-internet i know i'm in my mid-40s now and you know there was no no way to connect with anyone outside of this area so so if if you know you were interested in things that the kind of dominant culture were not interested in and you had to definitely uh repress those aspects of yourself or those interests and Mm. and really not have any community to engage with beyond you know like um going to a record store or 
going to a comic book shop or something. Right. Um, and, uh, and so having left the area and then coming back, it, it, it's a different perspective and knowing that there's a larger community out there and, you know, uh, yeah, and that's that's fascinating, especially with modern day, like how yeah. much that idea of community. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been asking this question is is because the idea of community has kind of evolved. Like, you know, it used to be not that any, any of us can remember this because this is way beyond our time, but but used to be in smaller village type. Uh, mm-hmm. Those were communities. I mean, you had you know, I can understand that idea. It's such a more of a micro idea. So the idea of this like macro community, there's big, this bigger, broader thing. You can have an online community and, and, um, and sure it might not have the same effect as like being in person. Like you might not Mm -hmm. get a lot of those same sensations or experiences exactly, but the idea of feeling connected to other people across internet waves because that because those are real um (laughs) um the idea that that's you know just a a thing that is normal now like that's just a part of life in 2021 i i like i know talking about this it can seem like some people can be like uh yeah what is he weirded out about um (laughs) especially younger people perhaps but like I guess it just blows my mind that we're able to expand on the idea of something like community because community, like you said, fellowship, it's such an inherent, it's such an instinctual thing. We literally need um, other people or we will die. Um, There's, there's so many really interesting things to be read and heard and, and stuff about and discussions to be listened to about, uh, you know, um, out there about, um, how, you know, being alone, you might be able to survive on your own, but the emotional impact of never having anyone around would literally destroy you. Um, yes. It, that, the idea of that is crazy to me. And so like, we're, we're actually wired to have people around. And the fact that, somehow we have figured out a way to be around people without actually being around people in 2021 um, is cool to me. I'm not sure how that affects things in the long term, like developmentally. Yeah. I'm not, I, I don't think it's a, it's a one-to-one uh, replacement. No, uh, for sure not. I mean, but, but I'm just kind of curious um, like a while back, for example, uh, um, I don't know if you know Chris Cochran uh, of the Innovation Den. He he's um, the he's really involved with the Innovation Den uh, downtown. Oh, okay. And and I had him on the podcast like ages back when I was like still figuring out how to use a microphone. <laughs> and he he talked about just the idea of uh, of just expanding the idea. Oh no, I'm sorry. He he talked a little bit about how. Um, you know, becoming a society that uh, learns based on audio, mm-hmm. um, like just like like with audio books um, and things like that, how an audio based society 
changes the brain in certain ways. Cause he had done like a TEDx talk on, on, uh, how, you know, a visual stuff yeah. has changed and yeah. how, what that meant. Um, you know, for example, from spoken word, uh, to books changed things hugely. And oh, yeah, so that kind of a thing. So, we're, so he, he mentioned, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I look at this stuff a lot. I'm not sure how the voice thing audio will affect us long-term anyway i'm kind of tangenting on this but no i but well from a librarian's perspective i it, it is a it is a really interesting to think of that change because like you mentioned he he shared that that jump from just like person to person knowledge sharing versus you know gutenberg and the printing press and you know Prior to that, everything had to be hand scribed and transferred, which was a very tedious process. So obviously, there were uh, smaller numbers of people who held information and were able to access it. And then with the printing press, that expanded things. So you you saw like collectively um, the ability to uh, intellectually grow. Uh, grew exponentially there too. Right, like a whole society think, had to do it mm -hmm. together. <laughs> and I think the, the the same could be said for the internet and um, kind of jumping back to audio, but just yeah, you know, audio books and opening that up because I I definitely you know probably split my time between listening to audio books and you know reading physical books. Right. Um, just because we're so busy with things that you know, we're always trying to maximize. Um, but then again, you know, that that's, it's got its pluses and minuses where it can be, you know, utilized to, to share disinformation and then, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The ability to, to, uh, but flood, no one would do that. Flood. No one would do that. No one Come would, on. who would but do it, that? Some, some frightening world. <laughs> Someone in a, <laughs> Some scary world would do yes, that. Yeah. Where perhaps they would build a platform where anyone could share video and then algorithms would be built to continue to share like videos to keep people engaged for long periods of time. Whoa, whoa, on whoa. Said platform for advertising dollars. <laughs> just just Again, you know when you say uh, when you when you say it like that, it sounds like you're describing a plot like of a movie, <laughs> and the villain <laughs> and the villain, check this out. <laughs> That's insane. When you're describing it like that, oh my gosh. But yeah, and then, and then so like you know how do you how do you differentiate between you know, a virtual community versus, uh, um, uh, you know, face-to-face, -face, person person-to-person community. Yeah. We, I went to an event at HREI uh, a couple of years ago. There was a journalist from Honduras who came and talked about um, all of the unrest that was happening in that country and talking about disinformation and... Um, and you know social media platforms used to counter that and um she said you know it was, it was a great thing because it gives people um 
the ability to engage in a way where maybe distance would be a barrier, but Mm -hmm. um, generationally, you know, um, she said what she's seeing is that people, younger generations engage in that way and feel like that is, that is the social response when in reality, you know, to make change, it, it really requires people getting together to have conversations and, um, uh, provide different perspectives and meet people on a human to human level to, to, you know, empathize with other people's positions and situations and to fully understand. Them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it's crazy I, because I if, that play out. yeah, I mean, even, even you mentioned empathizing, even those folks that, um, are super angry and are, you know, the soapbox people, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Even the folks that are seem, you know, have like the soapbox pages, they still need someone to hear them. They still need to feel yeah. like they're being heard. I mean, it, the, sure. even if it's someone that seems like, oh, yeah, that person's always by themselves and isolated, but they post all this stuff on Facebook. I mean, that's you still want someone to be there. You want yeah. an insurance well, that you're heard and seen. And that's it's probably the reason they're there, right? That's probably the reason yeah. they're doing it. Yeah. Is, because they need that connection. They need that. And, and it's they, when you yeah. start to realize like the connection and how many people don't genuinely want it, but don't actually have it, especially during 2020, um, when so many people had to just sort of chill. Um, yeah. That was hard on a lot of people, on a lot of people's spirits. And I don't think yes. that as a society, at least not in this generation, we've had to deal with a you know, sort of a countrywide, a society-wide, um, like a shared craziness experience, like a, a, a bruise to our spirit as a whole. Yeah. Like, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, like kind of in, in you know, like with previous generations, there. I don't want, I'm not trying to compare COVID to war, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Yeah. But but what I am bringing up is like like when wars did happen, like let's say in World War Two, everybody felt that that was, yeah. you know, everyone felt that this doesn't feel as like profound. It doesn't feel like the same thing, I imagine, because um, I've never been alive during something like that. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking about like the shared bruise, um, whether you believed in whatever or not. Right. Um, you still were part of society going through that experience. So we're still sharing an experience, but we're each having our own little mini experience. Um, and we need each other to see that experience. Like we, even if we pretend we still need that. (laughs) Right. Um, so speaking of experiences that kind of segues into another point that I had written down, um, and I'll start on this one. So the, I kind of, I wrote down, I said, could plants and animals, you know, and the land around us be a part of this experience that we experience, like this experience we call life? Could they be a part of it in terms of like us including them into what we would consider a community? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I like when, when I read this question, I thought like, yeah, especially in relation to community as place, right? Like 
Yeah. There are a ton of people relocating here to this area because of the natural resources, right? Um, oh, you bet. They take a walk on tubs yeah. and they're like, dang, this place is pretty. Right. <laughs> the lake, the trees. Yeah. Our, our sky I mean, even is different here. I swear it is. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think of uh, like Montana the same way, just these huge expansive skies you know yeah um but yeah and and so i think you know uh especially like i think about my family and my mother uh, her parents uh raised her in walla walla washington but they would come up and vacation at priest lake which is where i grew up um and they had a small cabin near Grandview up there, which is no longer there. Grandview is no longer there, but, um, oh, gotcha. this cabin is still there, which is cool. But, um, so they used to spend every summer up there. And so, you know, that, that, that place was definitely community for them. Like, you know, they would, they would see the same people up there every summer, they would get together with family. So place was just as important as that community aspect. And totally. Was, I love, I love that that looking forward to that's deep, right? That, that feeling of like looking for, Oh man, I get to see this person, that person. And then you, you tie that to memories and experiences. For sure. All sense memories stuff, right? Yeah. It's incredible. Like the, so the, the idea of, that's a great point. Like when, and so you're thinking about the land around it, I think is where you were going with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and maintaining that, like I, I was watching this great documentary uh, last night called Bikes of Wrath. Bikes it's on Amazon of Wrath. Prime. Amazon Prime, you can stream it for free if you have membership. Um, and it's about five Australians who their favorite book is Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, uh, which, you know, is, is um, an account of uh, the Decibel era in Oklahoma and the, the Joe family uh, making the trek to California. And right. so what they wanted to do was to, to bike that same start at the same town and bike to Bakersfield. Um, and so the, the whole, and there is nothing, by the way, if you've never been to Bakersfield, <laughs> <laughs> it's so dusty there. It's insane. Yes. There's just, it's so flat and windy and dusty that is all i ever linked to bakersfield <laughs> if you're from bakersfield is, and you're listening i'm and, and you're offended by this i just i ask you to look around <laughs> and tell me what you see i, I feel like there'll be nothing but nodding heads if they're yeah <laughs> i think so that's fair to say anyway um, but you were saying but uh but it was it was really interesting to to see that that basically that the you know the the dust bowl era there was a result of of just over farming uh paired with a drought that made that culture and that community unsustainable and so those folks uh a lot of them didn't want to leave many folks stayed behind and and um persevered but um that talk of migration um, internally in the country, migrating from Oklahoma to California to 
uh, work in agriculture there, mm. you know, and make very little money. I think there was, you know, the idea that there would be this, you know, uh, better way of life there. And in reality, you know, it was, it was exhaustive work and, and most people, uh, there were a number of people who returned back to Oklahoma, um, as you find in the documentary, some people who share their stories talk about their family who returned and, and just what that experience was like of living in Oki camps, as they said. Oki camps. How, yeah, and how when they got to California, they many of them were rejected. People didn't want them there. They said, go home, you're stealing our jobs. Um, and seeing this through the prism of, you know, What's uh, happening in Coeur d'Alene? History. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's what I was just. A, my brain immediately yeah. was like, "Yeah, people are moving into Coeur d'Alene like, like it mm-hmm. just what like it was just discovered." Yep, exactly. So, I mean, it, just to see these things perpetuate and repeat themselves it was really interesting. But, but uh, the main reason I brought it up was just that, from a sustainability standpoint of of not necessarily, you know, thinking long-term about, um, how, how viable is this? Are we doing this the right way? Sure. We're maximizing things in the short term, but what are the long-term effects? Exactly. And having a long view perspective on things rather than short term. Right. And I, I think, right. Sure. I, I think often in our country, we're, we're always looking at the short-term outcomes versus maybe the long-term outcomes. Oh my goodness. I think that is so, so true. And and we could, we'll have to do, um, uh, that would be fun. Actually, that would be an interesting topic of talking about like examples of decisions that are wonderful in terms of like in green movements in, uh, the short term, but actually can harm things in the long term. Um, that's an interesting one, but I digress. Uh, I just, that's an interesting thought, but the, the, what, what struck me about what you're saying is like the, how, I guess how I was mentioning experience and, mm-hmm. um, including plants, animals, the environment around you in that experience. And, and regarding what you were saying, you were just one core element of that was the how the experience completely changed when locations changed and and during the transition process as well i mean you could include that too Mm -hmm. um i know i i follow a guy named ray mears who is a survival expert in the uk or from the uk and has a school on on uh, what he calls bushcraft, which is just, if you don't know what that is, it's essentially just um, not just surviving outdoors, but knowing a lot about plants to where you can, you know, know what is edible and fire making yeah. skills and just thriving outdoors and really enjoying it. And so I, I get into that stuff. I get real geeky about that stuff. And so he talks about the land around him and he talks about the trees and he was doing this video about this and he was standing out in this field looking at the tree front of a forest and he said a tree line of a forest and he said you know a lot of people look at the forest and they they just see a bunch of trees i look at the forest and i see friends he says Hmm. and he says look over here and he points at a certain maple tree and he talks about its uses and things that you can do with it 
and what it's good for. And, and, um, and then he points to another tree that's a type of evergreen that is good for this and that. And then he t- points to another one. And he's naming all of these things, and he, he knows the scientific names for them, but he's calling them the colloquial names. And I think part of the reason that we, uh, like people who know plant names, I unfortunately, sadly, am not one of those people. Um, <laughs> I wish I was more versed. I'll be walking around with my girlfriend, and she'll just be like pointing out plant names. And I'm like, dude, I don't even... I'm like Just the suspense. I don't even Latin names left and right. Hundred percent, and and yeah. so anyway, but he's. I think the the draw of the colloquial names is partly sure they're easier to say than like you know the Latin names that we use mm-hmm. in science, but also because we name things because we had a connection with this thing originally, and we wanted to fondly remember it. At least in my experience, that's that's that tends to be the case, right? If, if you yeah. have a relationship with something, it could be something completely inanimate and mm-hmm. you could come up with some kind of name and that um, links you and that thing somehow. And some people get really attached to these things that they might name. It might be a blanket, <laughs> you know, it might yeah. be uh, car. a car. It could be a little gerbil, <laughs> you know, um, for me, it you know, I, I had a dog uh, named Sway for 14 years before she passed away. And it was like, um, you know, that, that was one of the most amazing times in my life. And it felt like that was a community member, you know, she was certainly part of the family. I mean, that's not a foreign concept. We talk about animals being part of your family and stuff. So Mm -hmm. what I'm wondering, and we're going to sort of cliffhang this a bit. Mm because we're reaching time and what I what I would propose before I finish this thought is um, if you're up for it it might be fun to have a two-parter because we've got a couple more things that are like big enough to talk about regarding this that I think would fill up another another half hour or so I'm game that would be so fun Okay, so so, um, what I think about when I think about like animals, plants being part of that, I'm reading this book right now called Braiding Sweetgrass. I think I told you that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, have you read it? I have not read it yet. Okay, it's on my reading list. Okay, so all I will say regarding that um, book is that the author, uh, Kimmerer is her last name. She is. Mm-hmm an absolute pro at bringing up this idea that I'm proposing here of, of like, you know, plants being community members and treating them as such. And like, she even talks, she even goes so far as to mention things like, what if we asked plants permission before we, you know, uh, took the harvest in? What if we want while we're foraging, we introduced ourselves to the plants like mm-hmm. almost as if they were people and and treating it just like that and some people might laugh at something like that but i was just i was listening to the i'm listening to the audiobook of it and i was just listening to her read this she re, she is actually the one reading it um and just pondering on this idea it's so foreign to western well i even hesitate to say western but just just 
I guess, col- colonized society. Yeah. I, it's just so foreign to us, and it strikes me just how foreign that is. It's beyond me. It's just crazy to me that the idea of introducing yourself to a plant could be so familiar to a group of people who were here way before we were and so unfamiliar to us. And we're the ones like and I I guess I refer to, you know, people who come from colony life, uh, for lack of a better term, white people, (laughs) Um, the how do we see something so unfamiliar, but is so familiar to another group of people and simply write it off without, without even so much as a wait, hang on. What do they mean by that? Um, There's gotta be something to that because if you read anything about like native cultures and things like that and the health of the land, it's no mystery that um, we have degraded from where we were. And so if the land wasn't such wonderful, harmony with people and with animals around it i just think there's got to be something to that (laughs) there's got to be there's got to be something to that and um in braiding sweetgrass she really really unpacks that and i want to i want to unpack that a bit more with you uh next time i think that sounds good yeah um yeah, that's a, and that's a lot to like leave us on. I, I'm aware. <laughs> People listening are like, "Oh, come on!" I know. I, I'm um, purposely not responding because uh, yeah, then we would we'd go. We'd yeah. be going another 15 minutes. Right. Well, and I would like to sit on this and and come up with a couple things that might help uh, structured a bit better too. Because like this is that that's a that concept is so big, and I wanna I wanna be able to uh, just not box it in, but definitely. Uh, piece it together in a short enough time frame where people will get something from it <laughs> and yeah, then we can yeah. we can tear that apart that would be super fun that sounds good man man so dang thanks brian this this was quick and i i uh i am definitely getting used to the quicker podcasts um <laughs> than i had been recording for sure all i want to do is just talk for like three hours i'm noticing and uh and but this was really fun and i'm excited to do a second part um and just continue on this conversation that that's that's going to be way fun to tear apart i think well that's what makes podcasts so great is hearing other people's perspectives and ideas and i think the the last example that you gave as a cliffhanger is is a perfect example of that in the sense of hearing different ideas and perspectives that broaden broaden your your worldview and it doesn't necessarily mean that you adopt them but just knowing they exist and and i I think uh allows you to be again if we go full circle um more uh intentional with how uh you live your own life and uh how you understand yourself so Hmm. I think that's, there's so much to that. So I think, oh, I'm so tempted to get into it again. So before I do, I'm going to end it there. Resist, resist. <laughs> resist. Um, thank you so much, Brian, for for joining me, man. It, very, very cool of you to to uh, uh, talk to me. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when we're going to do the next one. And, uh, and I'll let everybody else know the same. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for, uh, 
extending the invite and uh, always nice to chat with you. And that's it for today, folks. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. It has been an absolute pleasure having you. Brian and I had such a nice time discussing this, and we're both so very excited to bring the next piece of the conversation to you guys. It's going to be great. We're going to discuss and expand a bit on the idea behind community members. Who can be a part of our community? Can it be plants? Animals is a bit easier. We think of pets and things like that, but we want to explore things about the plants and the land around us. What does it mean to include the ecosystem into our communities? I can't wait to expand on that and really talk more about that. So until then, go and follow us on SCPJet on Twitter, SCPJET. Make sure you share this podcast with everybody you know. You could do it on Facebook and and Instagram and, and just think of all the places you could share the podcast. Remember, you can find the Sustainable Culture Podcasts anywhere there are podcasts, except for YouTube. (laughs) thank you all so much once again and remember to go out there and take care of yourselves love yourselves folks you are enough you have everything you need remind yourselves of that you could use it thank you once again my name is jet this has been sustainable culture podcast we will see you next time